Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to begin reading at verse 12. Paul talking about the fact that um, all of us are different. Have you noticed that? All of us are different. We all have our uniqueness. We all have our, our, our different abilities. All of us have different gifts. And this section is called One Body with Many Members. Aren't you glad? Let me say this. I'm glad that all of my members are not like Gator. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I mean, Leo, let's face it. He does a tremendous amount of work. Great teacher, good men's leader. But listen, there's a few things that he would not be a good WM president. For those of you who don't know, that's women's ministry. He just wasn't fit because we all have our different gifts. And I'm glad that God made us all different. But it says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I may not, do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of a body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less part of a body. Now, some of you are saying that is totally ridiculous. Yes, it is. But I've known a lot of ridiculous people in church. Huh? You've heard people say, well, you know, He's the one that's important. She's the one that gets all the glory. You never hear an eye telling the ear that we don't need you. We need each other. It says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that we may all be made be one, that the members may have the same care one for another. Listen, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are a body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing. Notice that next word, helping. How come we always kind of glide over that one? We think, well, if you've got a heavy load, I like somebody with a strong back. I need somebody to carry it. 
and the administrating and various gifts of tongue, kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Then we know that Paul goes on to share that the greatest of all the ministries that you can have, the greatest gift that you can give to God and give to the church is love one another. I mean, to love one another. That's it. Today, we're honoring all those involved in ministry here at Oxford Assembly. We, uh, we would not be the lighthouse that we are in this community and the world without you. And I know some of you say, wait a minute, that's a lofty when you say we impact the world. I believe that Oxford Assembly of God impacts the world. If you saw what we receiving and online, if you realize I sent a check for $10,000 to help uh, build a church in India. That's worldwide input. Amen. You'll be hearing a little bit more about that later. But thank God we were able to do it. But on the local scene, we just got a, I just got a card this week. said, Pastor, your church has been chosen as the, uh, to be honored by the uh, elementary school as the number one volunteer for the district. So will you deserve a hand. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But we could not do that without people doing the work. We have a large percentage of our church family involved in ministry. But the question may arise, uh, why is it everyone? Why isn't everybody involved in ministry? Or more personal, why aren't you? And I know some of you, some of you have got way too many hats on already. I always cringe when I start talking about volunteering and ministering and serving because uh, Joe Marr, you can't put on another hat. Okay? Some of you are doing all that you can do, and I applaud you for it. I give you accolades for it. But the reality is sometimes we are not all involved. Now, many times people fail to reach out because they feel like they don't have anything to offer. Have any of you ever had that? I don't have anything to offer. I tell you what, I think about it all the time. What can I do? One of the churches my wife and I tried out years ago for, uh, we talked about it even after I preached. I said, we can't go there. We don't have anything to offer them. I was 34 years of age. No, I wasn't. I was 32 years of age. 32 years of age and everybody in the, in the uh, church had doctorate degrees and they had uh, graduates from the Bible school. I said, what can I do? So all of us have asked that question and you have too. I don't have anything to offer. Can I suggest to you that that's a lie of the devil? All of us bring something to the table. Some of these kids need nothing else but a grandparent. Some of you are great at that. Now, some of you probably shouldn't volunteer. (laughs) Some of you are just what they need. We all bring something something to the table. My, My message today is this. You have all you need to succeed. You have all you need to succeed. Now, let me go ahead and say this. The world's idea of success and God's idea of success may not be the same thing. We need to understand that. You may not be as successful in the world's eyes, but you can succeed in God's eyes because he gives us everything we need to succeed. Recently, I was given the words of a song. 
And most of you know I, I don't read music. It didn't have any music there. It just had the lyrics. And as I was reading those words, I began to sing to myself. I found out myself is a lot less critical than others. And I was singing to myself, and the tune fit pretty good. And I was totally amazed when I looked up that song online, and I found out I was singing the correct melody. Now, I don't know if I'd heard the song before, and in my subconscious mind was singing it. Could have been. Or it could have been like Yogi Berra used to say, it's deja vu all over again. Or it could have been just God giving me the melody as I was singing it. But that's really not the issue. It was the words of this song. The words of the song that began to minister to me. And I hope stirs a similar response to you today. Now, those of you with a Methodist background, this song is in the Methodist hymnal, or some of them. The title of it is Hymn of Promise by Natalie Smith and written in 1986. So those old hymnals wouldn't have had it. But 1986, listen to these words. In the bulb, there's a flower. In the seed, an apple tree. In cocoons, a hidden promise. Butterflies will soon be free. In the cold and the snow of winter, there's a spring that wants to be. Unrevealed until it's seasoned to you, me. From the past will come the future in our time infinity in our doubt there is belief but in our life eternity in our death a resurrection at the last a victory unrevealed until it's seasoned something God alone can see gave to those words I realize in given time we don't see all that God sees we don't understand all that God understands. You're not controlled by your past. You can be controlled by your potential. I know you've heard me say this many times. Potential will not even buy you a cup of coffee. How many know that? Floyd Williams was in our early service this morning and Floyd coached at Wildwood many years. I've helped coach at Wildwood many years and I've seen tons of kids with potential. I've known kids that could have went anywhere and I believe could have played on Sunday or played professionally in other sports. Never graduate from high school because their potential was never fulfilled. So your potential will not even buy you a cup of coffee. But the question is this. How will you know what is in you if you won't let it out? Now that's worth repeating. You can write that down. You can put that on Facebook. How will you know what is in you if you won't let it out? One of my favorite quotes is from Bill Bright. You've heard me say it before. As he has, and James Davis prepared to launch the Global Pastors Network, he asked this question, paraphrasing it. 
How will we know what God wants to do if we don't try? How will we know what God wants to do if we don't try? But then we help people to say, Pastor, that's for those people with great abilities. I don't have anything to offer. The title of my message is this. You have everything you need to succeed. You have everything you need to succeed. And I know the question, not me. Not me. That's good for Brother Joe, Brother Sam, Sister Susie. They've got the talent, but not me. How many of you believe the Bible? How many of you believe the Bible? Well, how many of you believe that God is no respecter of persons? So let's see what the book says. Let's see what it says about the believer. Now, you say, well, I'm not a believer. This message doesn't apply to you. You know, it's, it's like those prescription medicines. If you've got this, if you're not a believer, you can't claim the book. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being harsh. But the amazing thing is you can come be a believer today. And then you can get everything that we are talking about and you will have everything you need to succeed. Amen? Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Got quite a bit of scripture and I want you to follow along. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Faith dwells in you. Faith dwells in you. One scripture says faith comes. See, we say faith comes by hearing, but faith comes because faith which is in you, what's a gift? Those traits in you, what's in you, the potential that's in you, fanned in the flame through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit. God did not give you the spirit of timidity. God gave you a spirit of confidence. God gave you a spirit. Say, wait a minute, I don't have it. That's not God's spirit. That's the Satan's spirit dwelling in you that you need to rebuke and say, I'm going to believe God's spirit because God has given me everything I need to succeed. Faith dwells in you. And you say, well, what can faith do? I asked you this, what can faith not do? What can faith do? It can tear down walls. It can walk on the water. Faith can heal the sick. You say, not me, I'm a nobody. Don't believe it. Let it out because it's in you. You have everything that you need to succeed, including faith in yourself. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this glory, this mystery, which is Christ in you. Then say Christ in them. It says Christ in you. The hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all energy that he 
powerfully works within me. Now, who's the he he's talking about? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you say, I don't have anything to give. I don't have the ability. I don't have the power. I don't have the anointing. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And Paul says, for this I toil. See, there's a problem. We could change that to work. And it's still a four-letter word. Some people don't like it. Some people don't like to put forth an effort. But friend, God puts it in you. You have to let it out. And sometimes it requires some toil. It requires some work. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Oh, wait, his energy? That he powerfully works within me. Christ works in you. You say, well, what can Christ do? What can Christ not do? A number of years ago, my wife and I were privileged to go to Yellowstone. Great trip. If you've never been there, you need to try to work it in. And we were driving on a small drive, when, and you couldn't leave the road on each side. And right down on the right side was a huge buffalo. He was walking at a slow pace, taking his own sweet time, and we wanted to go around him. Well, I thought since he's on Marcia's side, I could take the chance. <laughs> she could have literally reached out the window and touched that big buffalo. And being a cattleman, knowing what, he would have laid at least a ton. Big. We went on around him after we held our breath to get there. And right down the road, they were working on the road. And my wife was concerned. She said, well, where's the buffalo going to go? I said, anywhere he wants to. <laughs> anywhere he wants to. And what can Jesus do? Anything he wants to do, he can do. And Christ dwells within you. Amen? Christ dwells in you. You have what you need to succeed. While we're in Colossians, let's flip over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. So much here. Put on then as God's chosen ones, that's you, that's me, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, might want to dwell on that one a while, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Wow. That's in you, right? Isn't that what he's saying? This is going to be in you. Patience, I recommend some of you let that out. Meekness, kindness, humility, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do, Whatever you do, whatever you do, and I looked that up in the 
in the Greek, whatever you do means whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you catch that? Christ's peace lives within you. How many things that's worth sharing today? Wow. I'm going to tell you what, folks. If I was getting frustrated about anything today is the fearfulness of Christians. It, it bugs me. When you should have the peace of God living in you. Now, I know somebody say, Pastor, don't you ever get concerned? I am concerned. I'm getting concerned. But the reality is that God says, I'm in control I'll take care of it. I can have the peace of God. I can have Christ's love. I can have God's word. How many things God's word is is good enough? God's word. And we got that in us. And if you can't do anything else, you can just share a little bit of God's love. You can share a little bit of God's word. You can share a little bit of God's peace. In other words, what I'm saying is you have what you need to succeed. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out. There's that word again. Now, how many knows he was not talking about working out our salvation literally because we're saved by grace? You don't earn salvation. You don't earn salvation. So what was he saying? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, he said, I've got, you've got potential in you. You've got ability in you. I want you to use that to work out that salvation so that you can share those blessings with the Lord. For it is God who works in you. Think about it, God's in you. And you got the audacity to say, I don't have anything worth sharing? Is God not worth sharing? Is his love not worth sharing? Is his peace not worth sharing? Let's flip back over to chapter 1 of that book for some great comfort. Verse 6. And I'm sure of this. That who who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have ever left a job half done? How many knows God doesn't? He says, I'm going to complete it. He's still working on you. You say, well, pastor, as soon as I get ready, as soon as I get mature enough, as soon as, it's almost like, as soon as, honey, as soon as I get enough money, we'll get married. How many know you'd still be single? (laughs) Huh? Right? If you're waiting for spiritual maturity before you let what you've got in you out, chances are you'll never let any of it out. And until you start letting it out, God's not going to give you more. We need to keep honoring him and let him give to us because he gives you everything you need to succeed. And if he started the work, he'll finish it. And all of you spouses say, thank God. (laughs) 
We have what we need to succeed. Let's see what he told, told the church at Thessalonica. Now, you know the Bible school quiz took a few minutes this morning. How many give me two more minutes? Three more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten. I've got plenty. <laughs> i got plenty of time. Okay, Philippians, eight, uh, excuse me, Thessalonica. Thessalon, yeah, Thessalonians to the church at Thessalonica. I'll get it out in a minute. Chapter 2, verse 13, notice what it says. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you've heard from us, you accepted it not as word of men, but at what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, in you believers. God's word is at work in you. Isn't that awesome? God's work is at word. Back to 2 Thessalonians and read verse 12. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 12. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me read that again. You might have missed it. Where it says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus being glorified. How many has heard that old saying, God don't make no junk? God wants to be glorified in your life. I said, God wants to be glorified in your life. And he cannot be glorified if he does not give you the strength, does not give you the grace, does not give you the power, does not give you the peace that you need. What am I saying? We have what we need to succeed. We started out in the book of Corinthians. How many knows that the, book, that the church at Corinthians probably had more problems than any church of its day? Had all kind of gifts, had all kind of power, but it had problems. I said it had problems. Almost every one of the letters that Paul wrote was to address problems. The church was not perfect. Was it then and is it now? If we were going to have the perfect church, there's a few of you that would not qualify. Matter of fact, none of us would qualify. But I'm glad we're not created in perfection of man. We're created in the forgiveness of God. Amen? That God has forgiven us. And he tells them, the church at Corinth had many issues. This was the church Paul wrote to in the beginning of our scripture. They had their weaknesses, so do we. But in all their weaknesses, this is what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. I love this. I do not say this to condemn you. For I said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. I am acting with great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. In all of our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. One translation says this. He says, I've got great confidence in you. He was telling a church that he had to explain what love was. 
He said, I've got confidence in you. I want you to know something. God has confidence in you. I can't. God has given you everything you need to succeed. And I do not put myself anywhere on Paul's level and certainly not God's level. But I've got confidence in you. I said, I've got confidence in you. That God's wanting to do a work not only in you, but through you and for you. See, God's not finished with us yet. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. The church, the church is so full of garbage and there's so many things going on. Yes, 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 but God is still Lord. And He's still forgiven us. And He still died for the church. He redeemed us so that we have uh, freedom in Him. And if God can say, I've got confidence in you. Think about that. Basically what Paul was telling me, close to giving up in the ministry. Why? Because he'd been dealing with church folks and church folks have teeth. I know he calls them lambs, but some of them bite pretty bad. Brother Bob, Timothy was going through a struggle. And God was reminding him through Paul. He said, God did not give you a spirit of fear. He didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. What's he saying? He said he's giving you everything you need to succeed. Book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, I could read the entire chapter. But I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now let me ask you, what's the question? Does he? If you're a child of God, the Spirit dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Drop down to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? What things? All the excuses you can come up with. What can we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Remember the words of that song? In the bulb, there's a flower. And the seed, there's an apple tree. And cocoons a hidden promise. Butterflies will soon be free. A lot of you can quote the scripture where it says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word transformed there in the Greek, the same word we get metamorphosis from. Let us be transformed. Just like that worm that crawls into a cocoon and becomes a cocoon. And when it opens up, it's a beautiful butterfly. There's not too many. There's a few, but there's not too many of those worms that are pretty. But they're transformed 
by the mighty power of a metamorphosis. You and I are transformed by the mighty metamorphosis of God. He changes us. You have everything you need to succeed. This morning about 4 o'clock as I was brushing my teeth getting ready to come to church. Another song came to my mind that some of you probably remember. It only takes a spark. What? To get a fire going or glowing. Then all of us around can warm up and it's glowing. You say, well, I can't do a whole lot. Could be true. God doesn't call us all to do a whole lot. But you could be the spark that starts a fire. A spark that gets things going. Now, you may be used mightily of God. See, we don't know that because we don't see the end results. Just like that song says, unrevealed until it's seized. And something God alone can see. We don't know what the future holds. But it only takes a spark. I want to remind you, you have everything you need to succeed. You have faith, you have God's Word, you have His Spirit, you have Jesus Christ, you have God living within you, and if God is for us, who can be against us? realizing that God's getting ready to do some awesome, awesome things and I agree with you 100%. But he's given us everything we need to succeed. All we have to do is act on it. Bow your heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, I love you today. Thank you for this song. To, to my knowledge, I never heard, but it ministered to me so greatly. Thank you for the writer. Thank you for the person that gave it to me. But God, this church is in your hands. You're the head of the church. Not me, not the board. But you're the head of the church. And God, we want to we want to impact the world. We want to impact our world, whether it be locally or to the uttermost parts of the earth. God, we ask you to help us. And we realize the only way we can do that is when each one of us comes to the conclusion that you've given us everything we need to succeed. And as we yield ourselves to you, God, you minister not only in us, not only to us, but through us. God, I thank you for every person in this church that's working so hard. So many that are involved in so many ministries. God, thank you. And God, I ask you not to, not to put a bigger load on them. They're doing all they can. But there's some people that are listening online 
There's some people here that are heard my voice live this morning that Satan's got them convinced they can never be used because they've messed up. Maybe they don't have confidence in their self. And God, I pray for them right now. God, not just so we'll get more laborers in Oxford. God, you may direct them to some other locality. But God, let them know that they have everything they need to succeed. Not in the world's eyes, possibly, but in the eyes of God. That we can hear those words. Well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. God, we ask you to minister right now by your power and your strength. We praise you for it. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to just to stand and spend a moment in worshiping God and allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you. And if you need prayer, feel free to come down. We'll have someone pray with you. And if you just want to say, Lord, here I am, use me. That's well and good. But let's just worship the Lord together for a moment. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise, Lord. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G dot